Welcome to episode 6 of 2 please. I'm your host Abhin and I'm your co-host Rohit. Uh as you all know and I'm uh, I'm sure as you all are aware we're in a situation or in a time where a lot of things are out of our control and a lot of other uh, things are that that we cannot influence while we sit uh, inside our homes and you know wait for things to get better wait for things to improve and naturally it's uh, going to put us down it's going to make us feel a little helpless the other problem is that while we're stuck in our homes uh, there doesn't seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel the, the timelines keep shifting there's a lot of uncertainty and no one knows what's going to happen as we continue to live in this new normal uh, to help things me and abin thought uh, of addressing the issue in the best way that we could so rotan and i decided to put together a list of 10 feel good movies that you could revisit during this period of time or check out if you haven't seen them already uh, these are the kind of films that we've uh, tended to always go back to whenever things have gotten tough and whenever we just need a laugh a smile or you know if this doesn't make sense some kind of a hug through the medium if possible so i think without further ado we should just take this forward and we'll begin this list talking about our honorable mentions But where are my manners? I haven't even introduced the show yet. <laughs> Let's get on with the show. <laughs> I am. It's the picture that got small. So before we begin uh, the list I just like to preface that none of these movies are going to be ranked in any sort of particular order because there really is no way that you can put a number on on feeling great and feeling nice so it's it, Yeah I mean what movie makes you feel more good and what movie makes you feel less good right you can't really uh, quantify that Yeah I mean you, you could say there are movies that make you feel like shit maybe that should be like yeah. the follow up the follow up to this episode <laughs> <laughs> and there are movies where you know you will feel like shit which is still fine and there are movies where you uh, where it hit the shittiness hits you out of the blue <laughs> yeah so, yeah there's there's going to be episodes about those as well but today is all about making our listeners feel a lot better before we begin get into our top 5s i think we should run through honorable mentions these are kind of film these are the films that didn't quite make the cut not because they are bad movies by any stretch of the imagination it's just that we prefer the five others that are on our list so to kick start off our honorable mentions what what have you got uh so my honorable mentions are forgetting sarah marshall which is a 2008 uh, rom-com uh star studded cast and it's a jada pet of production so it, it's a very raunchy but funny and feel good movie a lot of it i'm sure for both abhin and me it's a movie where we know the lines by heart by this point uh just that you know couldn't really uh, fit them in the five for me Uh, so that didn't make the cut then the other movie is a very recent one called the mitchells versus the machines uh, it's the entire movie is an entire is a celebration of weirdness and being different and and family of course at the end of the day it is a, a kids animation movie but uh, very nice movie again great star cast and the, the style of animation because the director is a cartoonist by profession is completely different and very off the charts i think if i were to go with my honorable mentions uh, i'd say jojo rabbit to start off with 
my only fear with this movie is that there's recency bias attached to it. I don't know if I'll feel, I hope I'll feel the same way about it 10 years from now, like I have with the other top five on this list, because that's really where I have revisited these top five movies more over the last 10 to 15 years than I have with Jojo. And I can, and that's not entirely Jojo's fault. It's more about for it just being released in the last two to three years or so. The other film I'd like to say is Sing Street, which I think in my opinion, was was my favorite film of 2016. I made a list of my top 10 movies in 2016. It was atop that list. A very heartwarming story of uh, this Irish boy. He creates a band to help cope with whatever's happening at home and in his life. A very sweet coming-of-age tale that uh, I, I really, really enjoyed. The other, and it pains me to put it on this list, is The Apartment, uh, which maybe is no, does not suffer from recency bias. I really like this movie. I think it has one of my favorite Jack Lemmon performances ever, if not the favorite Jack Lemmon performance ever. Uh, him and Billy Wilder combined to deliver a very beautiful story and almost they create a character that spans decades in, in terms of, of uh, relatability. Like, this is someone a character that came out in the 60s but is still as relevant and can be as uh, relatable even today so i think that's the apartment is also on that uh, is on that list part of me is glad that you've taken apartment off the list because being my favorite movie i wouldn't want it to be part of this list i think that's something we need to cover more detail so thank you Abhin. <laughs> no uh, with that i think we can start let's let's go turn by turn let's let's have your first movie then okay uh I may have cheated on this one. My first movie isn't uh, isn't a movie. It's actually two movies. It's more more of a double header situation here. It's and they're both Richard Curtis films. So the first is Notting Hill, and the second is About Time. Now, About Time, I tend to enjoy a little more, even though over the years I have come to find uh, come to have issues with the first act of the movie, where the protagonist, even though his intentions are are meant to be uh, i mean they're obviously him chasing love he kind of, he comes across as a bit of a creep so to anybody who does not know the the, the story of about time it's it's about this this 20 something year old boy who uh, is one day told by his father that the men in the family have the ability to travel through time not into the future mm. but generally into the past and they are able to revisit moments and uh, and you know and just change the little things here and there without causing too much harm the, my favorite aspects about this movie and why I keep going back to it uh, so often is that it celebrates the magic of the mundane. It talks about how every day, how every day, no matter how ordinary it is, there's something special about it. There is something unique to mm -hmm. it. And that we as mm -hmm. a society tend to just breeze past our days and just focus on the worries and the stresses and the stresses of life. But it's it's always really nice to stop sometimes and you know and smell the daisies so to speak and it probably has my favorite wedding sequence in a movie ever where they're getting married in a church and there's and there's a thunderstorm outside which completely wrecks their dinner party and the entire thing is set to the tune of this italian song called il mondo mm -hmm. it is the first act as i mentioned is a little problematic uh, especially with him chasing uh, his love interest in Rachel McAdams, who loves being associated with Time Traveler. This is the second Time Traveler movie where... <laughs> time Traveler's <laughs> wife, right? Is, yeah, is, is the other. What and, is she trying uh, to escape, man? 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, she's she's really great in this movie and and Donald Gleason also is really great in this movie. The one thing the one dynamic I really enjoy in the film is uh his equation with Bill Nye who plays his father. His father. Yeah. yeah, the the whole family dynamic in that movie and that house the they live in Cornwall and the house that they live in is gorgeous. Mm. It also stars like in like a pre Wolf of Wall Street Margot Robbie, uh, and ah uh, oh, yes, yeah. So uh, she's like. I, I think that the aspect I add that really caught me off guard about the movie was how gentle and nice Bill Nye was, which otherwise you see him play eccentric characters or or straight out stern characters or even Davy Jones. I mean, mm-hmm. for those who know Bill Nye or Davy Jones, you have that image of him. in your mind but he is a very different nicer calmer character in this one is very different uh, also to, to yeah his love actually uh, character when mm, he plays this aging rockstar yeah yeah mm. also not to not to uh, take away from richard curtis's message it's a beautiful one but while you were describing that i'm sorry i just uh, the realization struck me and there is one other movie very diff uh, on the other end of the aesthetic or artistic spectrum which has the same message which is adam sandler's click <laughs> oh same message it is so much more crass <laughs> so i so that's one film i tend to revisit and a great soundtrack as well so a lot of the movies on my list have very memorable soundtracks so that kind of plays into the whole feeling good aspect of it Oh, 100%. Yeah. The other film other Richard Curtis on uh, movie on on this list which probably is his most popular is Notting Hill. It I mean it's not directed by Richard Curtis it's written by him. The premise is quite simple. It's a man falls in love with an actress and has to deal with uh normal Tuesday he, night for him. It yeah, happens all the all the time, you know. Yeah, just like it's just Julia Roberts playing a version of herself. and it this is i think i would like to say this is pq grant this is early this is 1999 hugh grant so yeah. hide hide Bumbling, his bars hand hand rifling through his hair hand, not looking yeah. at the person directly eyes darting all over yeah yeah and and it's, he's also supported by hilarious risa fans who's in the movie and uh, <laughs> who plays this really key, and it's like a richard curtis trope where you have this really eccentric character uh, mm. in the movie it's a really sweet film I mean, there's nothing surprising about uh, the parts it takes. There are no total twists and twists and turns. It's just one of those feel-good films you can pop in for ninety minutes and and have a great time with it. I was just gonna say that uh, I think Notting Hill is the archetypical example of a rom-com, and the reason why a lot of people rom- love rom-coms is that generally the storyline is very straightforward. Things, good things, keep happening one after the other. The only setback. in the story or in the plot is a small minor inconvenience that you know very easily mm. can be overcome which they do after maybe 15 20 minutes of hand wringing on screen mm. uh, which you know is obviously life doesn't work that way but it gives a nice uh, escape so i think notting hill is the prime example of that it has one of the more memorable lines from recent film history right it's where julia roberts's character says i'm just a girl uh-huh. standing in front of a boy asking him to love her very iconic to in its own right i would believe mm-hmm. i agree i agree so i think we can move on from my richard curtis movies to yours i would like to say so uh, 
as you guys might guess um, both abin and i are suckers for richard curtis because uh, i think he has the knack for uh, really uh, writing uh, feel good movies so the one that i want to talk about is 2019's yesterday so the premise of the movie is that uh, there's an anomaly that happens uh, in the world and because of that nobody remembers that the band beatles existed except for one guy who so it's a very contrived set of circumstances he's in an accident he's mid air something i mean doesn't matter right uh, even the director i mean the danny boyle movie even he doesn't really put too much effort into explaining why it happens just go with it so essentially the idea is he's the only guy who remembers that the beatles existed and when he plays their songs uh, everyone's like wow these are amazing uh, songs how did you come up with such great material overnight and he decides look if nobody knows and you know i've wanted this break as a musician for so long if this is the way i'm getting it then so be it and he decides to write uh, all of the songs of the beatles from memory and claim them or pass them off as his own and he shoots to fame overnight and Uh, you see how fame changes him and the relationships he has with the people he's grown up it stars lily james as uh, his closest friend and somebody who who deep down uh, has feelings for him and uh, hopes that he does too so there's a there's a bit of a love story by the side as well the film has its drawbacks in that while they set the premise up very well in the first third of the movie the second half of the movie sort of meanders in that it doesn't know what sort of movie it wants to be it continues to chronicle the beatles story in that there's a lot of callbacks and uh, references so there's a lot of fan service to the to uh, fans of the band but story wise it doesn't really go anywhere also it has kate mckinn in in my opinion one of the most irritating roles i have ever seen essayed on screen uh but yeah she single handedly threatens to derail the movie uh but thankfully uh, that doesn't uh, come to pass and the other thing that i really like uh, obviously lily james is such a sweetheart in the movie her the, the way the character plays out you 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 definitely root for her very strongly and you hope that your protagonist has his head on straight at the end the other thing is the other thing i liked about the movie obviously the covers of all the beatles songs are very nice very uh, they have that they've done their own take on it which is uh, sweet in its own way also there are there's no uh, there's no there are no bad guys there are there's nobody wishing ill upon him uh, if you watch the movie you'll understand what i'm saying there oh, yeah. is a, a, a track where you know things could go bad for him and they build it up as like in, uh, yeah like you know somebody is going to expose him or something but then you uh, i mean anyways it's not a spoiler and none of these movies are you know they won't have spoiler plot points but so there's this whole thread that they build up and then you realize it's it's not a thread those guys are just happy that somebody's putting beetles out into the world and the way they mm. i love that scene because they like as long as there's more beetles in the world the world is a better place so how can we hate you for that and i was yeah. like oh my god like that i mean as somebody who for me also whenever i used to feel uh, tired or low beatles used to be my go to band just as a sort of pick me up so i could empathize so hard with uh, not just the character or that scene but the movie at large i was like wow so it has its faults absolutely but if you want a mindless watch for like an hour hour and a half and it has a extreme fairy tale ending which you're just like it's too saccharine too sweet but for one and a half or maybe two hours if you just want to forget all uh, about all your worries and 
you know just enjoy uh you want to laugh at uh, his dyna- the protagonist dynamic with his parents which is a hilarious dynamic uh, there's a lot to laugh and love yeah, yeah there's a lot to laugh and love uh, through the movie so, so that I was, was my Ridley Scott's movie so uh yesterday was one of my most anticipated movies of 2019 because i mean i'm sure like some of you know this but i am the beatles are my favorite band of all time i have a giant ass mural in my room with uh, the abbey road per album art cover yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like i'm obsessed every year categorically for a, for a period of 3 months i revisit the entire catalog probably one of my favorite bands ever and there's a really nice beatles movie that we i'd encourage you to check out uh, it's called i want to hold your hand and it's robert zemeckis's directorial debut it's about four girls who are trying to get into the ed sullivan show the night the beatles first play america mm. and so and this is like the height of so it's basically beatlemania and three and four girls trying to get into their hotel and just trying to find tickets and just pure chaos it's it's a it, it plays like a slapstick comedy but if if you want to check out a really fun beatles movie that's definitely uh, a great suggestion the thing with the problems with i have had with the i had with the yesterday was yeah like like rohit mentioned that the plot tends to meander through the second half uh, kit mckinnon is not probably i mean she really should not be on screen as much as she should uh, but at all po- <laughs> the, the positives i have in this movie are one i really like uh, himesh patel like there's finally a, a himesh who can act is is always a great and sing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, always always and wonderful and has, to, has, has he sang the, the songs himself yeah it's all him it's all him yeah wow yeah very nice voice yeah and i like yeah, specifically nice. love the first time he plays yesterday after his accident and there's that yeah, it's a really sweet sequence is, uh, and it just it like more than anything else it highlights paul mccartney's uh, genius yeah because yeah. for someone to have written that song at the age of 20 21 22 is scary like the, the, that is it's as melancholic as possible <laughs> as a song could possibly be but yeah i'm going to start if i once i start talking about the beatles i'm like i can go on but no <laughs> so there's another really great joke when he's discovering and I'm, and if you want to check this out it, i won't uh like i won't bring up the band but it brings up a band a very famous band from the 90s <laughs> possibly the best <laughs> joke in the entire movie yeah and when like when the protagonist goes and like he's just trying to get find find the band and he's like ha thought as much it's <laughs> just ha figures figures yeah the interactions with his family especially with sanjeev baskar and so in and mira sanya also their interactions and mira sanya and sanjeev baskar's were baskar like for us 90s kids the kumars at yeah. number 42 right because that's what that's what our association with and they're married is. in real life as well yeah they are they are yeah they are they are married to each other so and and they are absolutely hilarious especially when he's when himesh patel's character is playing hilarious be for them let it be oh god that scene is just <laughs> leave it be yeah <laughs> let him be leave it be, it be. Also we didn't mention Ed Sheeran who I kind of liked in this movie who plays this yeah, weird Yeah Ed Sheeran has like a it's it's not a is it a cameo is it a supporting role I don't know It's almost it's, like it's a supporting little, Yeah yeah and there's a ga- gag where Ed Sheeran's ringtone is shape of you so there's a lot of these you know small jokes uh small laughs throughout the movie So yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of reasons to love the movie like i i feel bad i felt bad for chin especially when yeah. uh, uh, he says you write a song in the next 5 minutes and i'll write a song in the next 5 minutes 
and as she literally puts and up a melody the song is so good and it's like and this guy says you know what screw this i want to go the long and winding road the song <laughs> which is unfair right yeah which is basically this a song in which you can hear the break the breakup of the band <laughs> like except like, so if you listen to a long and winding road carefully it's essentially talking about the band falling apart mm. and so like i know this this might sound blasphemous to you and other beatles fans I actually like the long and winding road cover in yesterday than the original. Oh, really? I don't know why it's there, there's no it, it's just one acoustic guitar which I it's his voice I think the way he sang it I really loved it. Well, that makes you and Paul McCartney because uh, the story behind the long and winding road is that it it's a it's supposed to be a stripped down song and uh, mm. without the bells and whistles but when McCartney was away Phil Spector who was famous for this wall of sound throws in multiple organs like like he basically adds orchestral pieces to uh, he kept adding orchestral pieces to all 60s and 70s songs and that's what made the long and winding road to some people as bloated as it as it is and paul mccartney was not happy like he was furious so there are two versions of let it be the album one that was produced by phil spector and one that uh, the beatles have signed off on it's called let it be naked mm. Wow, that must have been the worst thing Phil Spector has ever done in his life. <laughs> uh, no. In joke for those who don't know, <laughs> was he jailed for triple homicide or something? Yeah, Phil, dude, Phil Spector was a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that was that was movie number one from for me. Uh, back to you, Abin. Which is your next movie? My second film is a little. Uh, I mean. It, So I don't know if some people could even classify it as a feel good movie but it's perks of being a wallflower. There's something mm. about this film that I tend to go back to repeatedly. Maybe it's the it's almost it's a fish out of water story for Logan Lerman's character and when he's coming to terms with being friends with he was never really had friends with uh, through growing up and this is the first time he's had a group of people who accept who who accept him for the misfit that he is. and uh, there's even a line that it, that says uh, welcome to the island of misfit toys where the each character in, in one way or the other is is broken and somehow they still have like they still celebrated for who they are there are i think the feel good part is probably because sorry uh, yeah. like you, you just mentioned right the issues that a lot of the characters deal with are not they are legitimately dark but mm-hmm. the support that they find in each other is what really makes you as the viewer feel good yeah so and right right from the off there's very relatable characters very um, very fun characters to hang out with for two hours i think ezra miller and uh, uh, emma watson play have a wonderful dynamic between the two mm-hmm. both went on to be major parts of i mean one was already a part of the potterverse yeah. one <laughs> the other to be <laughs> yeah i take that back <laughs> what am i saying <laughs> so one like was obviously coming off the back of the harry potter movies and this is very a very different role for her immediately after the deathly hallows and she's so nice in this movie like you you can she's not the most perfect person but in her own uh peculiar way she is absolutely beautiful 
Yeah, even Logan Lerman, who's, who plays this weird, like he's, he plays a, a bit of an introvert, his issue with Paul, uh, with, uh, Paul Rudd, who's also excellent in this movie, his dynamic with Paul Rudd, rather, is also excellent in this movie. The, I think the core focus of this film is the relationships that it uh, presents throughout the course of the mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Even some, sometimes his equation with, uh, his, with his sister... Uh, the friends, their fa- their parents, and obviously the the climax of this film, which does go in a particular direction. If you haven't seen or read the book, I would probably I will not spoil that movie for you because it is a big spoiler. It's a it's a pretty big spoiler. And like it, it when I first watched it, I it completely took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. It also has a really it also has one of my favorite sequences in the movie uh, where they're driving through a tunnel and they by, by now iconic sequence yeah by now very maybe iconic. not iconic but yeah and with i think almost a perfect song choice so mm-hmm. they have heroes by david bowie playing um yeah. uh, in the in the car and this is like suppose it's a set in the early 90s so it's mixtapes and cassettes and mm. once again, phenomenal soundtrack. Mm. You have the Dexy Midnight Runners, Come On Eileen. You have uh, Don't Dream It So by The Crowded House. You have Heroes by David Bowie. So many wonderful songs that perfectly supplement this already emotional tale. Definitely one of my favorite movies to revisit over and over again. Yeah, but I haven't read the book. Is it a good adaptation or have they made oh, it's, it's, it's the movie is or directed is it a faithful by, adaptation? The movie is directed by the author. Oh, okay. Stephen then Justin. Fair. I mean, yeah. you can't get more faithful. Yeah. Faithful yeah. So, than right. I think he's taken liberties. The song choices are different. I I believe he... Uh, the song in the book is Landslide by uh, Fleetwood Mac, which is also a pretty... Are the... Are the let me guess, are the song choices in the book a little more niche and a little... Uh, no, it's still the same, I think, but he just updated it. He updates ah, okay. it for more of a, like a 2010 audience. Got it, got it, got it. I, I love Paul Rudd in that movie. I, the more I think about it, I'm, I'm just like, dude, that guy Paul has Rudd. some... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I Love You Man mm-hmm. is another great Paul Rudd movie, which we should... Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Marshall also. I mean, yeah. Coming back to our honorable mention. He was yeah. great. In, I mean, yeah, Paul Red is great. Yeah. So my second movie is uh, a recent one that came into the limelight because it won the best uh, foreign movie Oscar, uh, which was a 2020 Danish movie called Another Round, starring Mads Mikkelsen and a bunch of other Danish actors whom you probably may not know by name, him being the most famous of the lot. Lovely the movie, movie is, before before I must add. Lovely yeah. film. Uh, I just, the only reason it's not on my list is recency wise, but absolutely adore this film yeah and I think because the movie is about it celebrates alcoholism uh, I'm sure to a lot of listeners that itself might strike a chord in the sense that because a lot of us are stuck at home there's there's a lot of what do we do sitting at home and uh, in the sense that this movie also celebrates alcoholism and alcoholism is a big part of the Danish culture, the Danish drinking culture is very famous. They, I mean, those people are probably some of the heav- heaviest drinkers in the world. And even their uh, graduation, high school graduation ceremonies, or even stuff that their, their kids do on weekends, 
a lot of it is centered around uh, drinking and alcoholism i wouldn't say alcoholism that's a negative uh, term connotation alcohol and drinking yeah that's a negative connotation so alcohol and drinking and having fun the movie addresses that you know anything done beyond moderation uh, can be bad so there is mention of the fact that a lot of danish youth has sort of lost itself to alcoholism people drink too much but also this movie celebrates the fact that there are good sides there there's good things you get out of uh, imbibing alcohol so a quick recap of the movie basically mads and three of his other friends play uh, professors school high school professors who mm-hmm. seem to be leading a so, sort of nondescript life and uh, mads i don't know if he's a teetotaler or somebody who hasn't drank in a while so mm-hmm. when they meet for one of the friends birthdays he prefers to have a soda so that kind of establishes the fact that he isn't drinking actively on and off nowadays mm-hmm. so but then he has issues at home and his friends i love that scene uh, that dinner scene as well where it's somebody else's birthday but when they see mads is uh his character martin is having issues and he fe- he looks a little sad you realize how everyone pivots to just talk about him and mm-hmm. make him feel good about himself they talk about his his jazz uh more than the, the jazz da- jazz ballet that he uh-huh. did back in yeah. high school i mean that's that's exactly what friends should be like when i saw that i was like wow that's what friendship is right forget about everything mm-hmm. else if a friend is feeling bad that's their main focus i loved that that mm-hmm. scene and then he drinks and then they do this experiment wherein the, the hypothesis that they're trying to test is if uh if you maintain a, a blood alcohol level of 0.05% the the theory there is a they mentioned some psychologist whose theory is that it helps you enhance your performance in all mm-hmm. the things you do in life mm-hmm. so the idea is that they try to maintain that uh, bse uh through the day and see how that helps them and then some of them try to take it to the next level and things slowly start to uh go off the rails that's very briefly the premise of the movie but i think what the underlying message was is that a lot of them in fact uh martin which is mad's character martin's wife specifically calls it out in a scene where she says for a long time until recently you weren't in in the moment with us you mm-hmm. weren't here with us you seem mm-hmm. like you wanted to be somewhere else mm-hmm. and they show that in the movie that uh, alcohol kinds of uh, kind of allows them to appreciate the moment they're in and uh, savor the moment live in the moment and not be out of it and not think about the future or the past just uh, appreciate where you are right now mm-hmm. and what i think is for us to take away is that while alcohol might help you do that and that's the good side of drinking which they celebrate in the movie even in the last scene which again one of a very very feel good uh, end to the movie while they while they showcase all of that what i took away from it is life is as good as uh, we we wanted to be and we forget that while we are thinking about other things we forget to live in the moment appreciate it and uh, i mean if if you need alcohol to do that now and then mm-hmm. great but that's something mm-hmm. you should try to do even otherwise mm-hmm. so i think that's that's that for me at least was the message they were trying to put across and mm-hmm. uh, for that i really loved loved what the movie was all about i quite enjoyed i mean this film has roots in in tragedy right like it talks about uh, thomas winterberg uh, winterberg went through a, a horrible personal tragedy that nobody mm-hmm. oh, in yeah. india mm-hmm. like nobody in their in their lives should four days into shooting his daughter whose film uh, who is school this film was supposed to be shot in she was supposed to have a role in the film uh, ended up uh, passing away in a tragic accident caused by a negligent driver who was on his phone and 
so Thomas Winterberger, who is Winterberger, who is just fell into obviously he was when when something like that happens to you, there were days where he couldn't pull himself out of um, out of bed because there was he was so consumed by grief. And in a way, this film tends to celebrate life. I think and what, what the threat is that life threatens to be on autopilot. You have to mm. stop it from doing that. Yeah, which again so relevant with what's happening right now. Yeah. in terms of like this is it's a great movie to to visit particularly if you're in lockdown at the moment yeah so uh so i think can that, that move on mean. yeah we move yes. on to yes. movie 3 okay uh this is i think everyone who's everyone and everyone's dog at this point has watched this movie <laughs> this is uh and how could you have not if you grew up in the in the 21st century you've definitely watched harry potter and the sorcerer's stone I when I watched the movie the first time I I watched it about 9 times and I I have and in purely down to saturation it was a movie I haven't revisited in a long in a very long time much like some other movies on this list I know that that film line by line it's and how, how could you have not it's it's the quintessential uh not even children's but young adult movie of of our generation right the one that the everyone of all younger movies <laughs> yeah possibly it is it definitely is and then a couple of months ago i think in during december january and i was not particularly doing too well so i in in a bit to like get myself out of this rut i decided to watch marathon the entire potter series over a weekend and i did it the way i read the books so by which i mean, mean? i i read book 3 first Then I read, <laughs> then I read four, <laughs> then I read one and two. <laughs> read one. <laughs> then I went five, six, seven. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so I watched Prisoner of Azkaban, which is possibly my favorite of the lot. The the most most artistic of the lot for sure. Yeah. I mean, you have Cuaron at the helm, so. Yeah, I hated that movie when it came out because Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite book of the entire series, and it's not oh. by any stretch of the imagination a faithful adaptation. It's, uh, it is a very yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's a very different book. Like the the it whole cuts out plot points in service of aestheticism, which <laughs> watching it as grown ups is my take. But if watching it as grown ups be appreciated, but if as somebody who wants as a kid you're just like I read this, I want this on screen. You're just like why is this not there? Why is this not there? Stacking like when they get to the shrieking shack and there's no mention of the firebolt or the Quidditch World Cup, uh, the House <laughs> Cup. I am furious, like I'm fuming, because I the the efforts I had gone to acquire tickets for that movie on the opening day uh, was, and this is obviously pre like pre Twitter pre this thing, so there's no real spoilers anywhere, right? Like the only spoilers you'll get is somebody calls you up and starts telling you <laughs> the only spoilers <laughs> are assholes in your school, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, who've, who've seen the movie before and they're like. Come here, come here! I will tell you something, and then they spoil it for you, and then they laugh in your face. That and, happened to uh, me with uh, with the. When they die, Hallows. they will be burning in hell. But yeah, anyways, that happened to me with the Deathly Hallows. My cousin, if he ever listens to this podcast, Anish, just so you know, <laughs> I hate you for that <laughs> moment. <laughs> uh, for me, so, the, the the reason. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but anyway, I think you, I'm you, like you, I'm, you finish your thing. You finish. Yeah, your thing. I, I'm off on a tangent here, but. 
I I revisited the Sorcerer's Stone and I cannot tell you just how happy I was when I was watching that movie. It's so nice. Every frame is a memory. Every like the young kids can't act at the moment. I I still have reservations about Emma Watson's performance, but oh, here she is a ha- Yeah, the very adorable Emma Watson is heaving and hoeing her way through uh the entire it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Saw. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> And just there's there's so much about that film I, I like I I adore, and Alan Rickman as Snape. The more I look back at it, I'm like you could not have cast this better. If Richard <laughs> yeah, Richard Harris as Richard Harris as Dumbledore, you could not have cast vastly superior Dumbledore than Michael Gambon. Uh, Are we doing this? Is this is this turning into a Harry Potter bitch session now? <laughs> No, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna try and like we try and regulate it as much as possible. Michael, yeah, yeah, but Richard Harris, uh, Ma- Dame Maggie Smith, um, uh, Robbie Coltrane as Hagrid. Just you're like, my God, how did they get all of them together? And for me, Harry Potter was has another significance in my life because that was around the time 2000 was when the movie released. If I if I remember yeah. correctly, right? 2001 and that. 2001 right and that was around the time when i had moved from uh, india to dubai uh, and we were new there and i was in a new school i was in fourth fourth fifth grade mm. and it's it's always hard to make friends right and new place new country whole new set of people and i'm not still i'm not very extroverted i'm maybe a little bit of an introvert so all the more difficult for me to find something to speak with, about other people with and I remember when I was getting onto the school bus, uh, there was talk of oh, the, there's this Harry Potter movie releasing, and I didn't even know what Harry Potter was to be honest at at that point. And then I I just asked a bunch of random people uh, who were sitting next to me on the bus like what, what is Harry Potter, and they told me about it. I went home and I told my mom to get the book. I read the book then. Coinc- not coincidentally because they were my points of reference. They lived nearby and they were on my bus. We went to watch the movie together, and those guys actually became some of my closest friends uh, over the five years that I was in Dubai. So, in a way, Harry Potter kind of helped me get friends or yes, fit, yeah, find did, a way yes. to fit in. So, it's for me, of, even that that bit of nostalgia, like when I remember the movie, it's just that warmth of the uh, of that memory that you know, watching the movie and watching it with your friends and just. Finally, fitting is like it's a whole set of things for me. This is beyond just a movie for me. And funny enough, it was the only movie. It was one of two films directed by an American, right? It was Chris Columbus, who yeah, who who makes kids movies really well. Home Alone, yeah, this yeah. that's his. But can we take a minute to appreciate the soundtrack? John Williams' score for the film is oh, I didn't uh, know. Is it what? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Obviously, I don't <laughs> John. Iconic. <laughs> I almost had a heart attack. What? <laughs> no, this is as famous as so. Like when you hear Ta-na-na-na, you know it's Titanic. It's like, yeah. You know yeah. it's Harry Potter. The yeah. thing is iconic now. So. Great. Like uh, I don't think there has been a young adult film. There's so many favorite. Sorry, I'm just like belting out Harry Potter tunes now. Just there isn't spontaneously happens to me. There isn't a Harry Potter film. There isn't a franchise, a young adult franchise that's been as successful. No. Yeah, that isn't. No. I mean, now no. that's the gold standard, right? Everything's going to be evaluated. 
against it even if there are something even if there is something which is legitimately not bad at the very least compared to harry potter is going to be shit expect a reboot in at 10 least years but i mean yeah yeah definitely expect a reboot yeah i read that i read that it's 10 years now to the mm. to deathly hallows the movie when i think mm. about that i feel very old yeah it's not even go that i remember feeling God. so shit when deathly hallows got over when i was in the theaters and mm-hmm. that epilogue got over and i was like fuck it over <laughs> no time to grow up now not uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i did like but yeah in terms of deathly hallows obviously is much more mature themes it from Absolutely. book 4 book 3 onwards there's a lot more mature themes book 2 is probably yeah. the most uh cartoonish of the lot even the film is is still it's 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 dark in parts of course it is deals with a goddamn giant snake which looked nothing yeah. like what i imagined it to be and when exactly. i thought the first like, yeah i thought it would look a little more tiny i thought it looked tiny when the huge ass thing comes out of sarasa sridhar's mouth i was like oh shit this is a huge ass snake <laughs> i thought it just be long but didn't realize it be like the size of a uh, of a, like of a tower or something it was huge yeah, yeah. Hmm. but yeah definitely sorcerer stone come on if you haven't seen it in a while it's on amazon all of them are streaming yeah. on amazon pick it that's up the feel goodest movie yeah <laughs> i think that's my number 4 uh, number 3 what's your number 3 So my number three is uh, the 2011 movie Midnight in Paris, mm. uh, Woody Allen movie. Again, uh, right off the bat, this movie requires great suspension of disbelief from the viewers' end. In that, don't try to get into how the movie kicks off. So uh, Owen Wilson's walking around Paris at night. He sees this carriage. No, it's a car. It's a it's a 1920s car which. uh this comes along the road and i think b- before that scene he talks about how he would love to be in the 20s because there was the time when a lot of great people confluenced in paris and there were a lot of great minds etc so he gets into this car which like great message to give out to people just get into strangers cars willingly <laughs> and nothing bad will happen to you mm. and gets out of it turns out he's transported back to 1920 and he meets all these people that he adores has read about looks up to etc and for somebody who's anyone who's a quiz geek i mean this part of the movie is a small smorgasbord of callbacks and references and in jokes and all of that there's uh, ernest hemingway there's uh, there's uh, fitzgerald scott fitzgerald zelda fitzgerald adrian brody has an amazing cameo as salvador dali gertrude stein kathy uh, bates is gert there's kathy bates is gertrude stein so there's there's all these host of uh, famous literary and art artsy figures who in real life as well were in and around each other in paris in the roaring 20s so the the the, the next bit of the movie is just him interacting with them and like uh, fascinating interactions he loves his time and so that's and then then stuff happens for the rest of the movie the underlying theme that woody allen wants to push through this movie is that all of us feel that the t- the days gone by or uh, an an older era was when things were better and uh, things today are which i know all of us have are are guilty of at some point or the other especially uh, i'm sure bangaloreans will relate hard to that sentiment 
Because you speak to any Bangalorean who's been here longer than ten years, they're like, "Yeah, you don't you don't know what Bangalore was. Was like, yeah, so much greener, so much cooler, and so many more trees, and all of that, which is not false. But I mean, it is the city we live in, right? Bangalore of today is what we have. But anyways, that that's the sentiment mm-hmm. that Woody Allen also wants to talk about is that it could be that you know things maybe were better or maybe they weren't. But you're always going to feel that. Truth of the matter is, you are in the time and the the place you are, and make the best of it. Uh, don't live in the past. Don't regret uh, not being there. You are where you are. Just be happy. Make the best of it. Again, uh, strong resonance with our current situation. We are where we are. Try and make the best of it. That that's all anyone can do. So I have a very fun story with this movie. So I think twenty eleven, twenty twelve. I had a really big accident, and there was a phase I was taking the bus. and i i would watch midnight and it the time it took me to get home it would take me an hour and 15 minutes to get home like switching buses at all mm. and i would play midnight in paris religiously as i was uh, heading back home and i and i've seen that movie more times than i can count there's so mm. much i adore about that film it's like the only reason it's not on my top 5 is because it's on your top 5 wait, once wait, again does this exactly does it doesn't it also have rachel mckay mckay does <laughs> Does she have like a, 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 a what do you say a nose for time travel movies? <laughs> Anytime there is any movie involving time travel, you see on the set somewhere on the edge, Rachel McAdams just talking like, and, 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 is there something for me? And the sad part is she is not the one time traveling. <laughs> yeah. Any of them? Oh yeah, in all of the movies, she never gets to time travel. <laughs> she's there. She's like, okay, you are the cornerstone of time travel. Yeah. The movie will happen around you. Everybody else has fun. <laughs> Your yeah, life sucks. <laughs> and yeah. it also has Leah Sedu, like early, like pre-blue mm. is the warmest color. Leah Sedu. So yeah, and it has uh, Marion Cotillard, who I mean, uh, Marion Cotillard is my so crush. Is, yeah, she's a goddess girl. <laughs> so pretty, and like in her obsession, like her cat is obsession with La Bella Park. is yeah her highlights is the turning point in the film when you realize oh it's everybody wants to live in the past because the past is nice and it's like and when they do get to go to la belle époque they meet toulouse lautrec and they, mm-hmm. he talks about an era like 25 30 years Two years ago yeah prior i, I think at that point one will send the bulb goes off in his head it's like oh like, wow wow so <laughs> <this> <laughs> i would like definitely see uh, a midnight in in mumbai starring saif ali khan <laughs> yeah where he goes back in the past and, the and, and interacts with like different stars of yeah uh, wow. of the yeah of the body of bollywood generation well, actually not a bad idea netflix scholars so yeah please <laughs> yeah we'll write the bloody movie for you <laughs> but yeah that was that was my was my third movie what about um, what's your fourth one then My fourth okay so this is this is not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination it's actually a pretty average movie that, to most people but I lo- I love it for some reason it's it is 2004's the girl next door starring Emil Hirsch and Alicia Cuthbert maybe because it's the time I saw it I saw it in 2005 where I was 14 and you know like you coming to grips with with your adolescence at the time just say puberty man okay fine <laughs> <laughs> coming going through puberty and yeah it was apparently meant to be a a uh, a remake of risky business but then the movie ended up being its own thing and there are several mm. points in the film that 
uh, that hinted it being a risky risky business remake especially mm-hmm. when the first time he sees Alicia Cuthbert or like one of the few first few times I meet her sees Alicia Cuthbert Love on a Real Train is playing in the back which is a song uh-huh. by Tangerine Dream and which is the in the soundtrack Uh, of risky uh, of risky business that's a nice callback I yeah so, so the premise is about this high school kid who is about to go to college but hasn't really done anything exciting uh, has two real weird friends one of them being Paul Dano who is went on to be hugely successful one day this girl called Danielle uh, moves in next door and he's thoroughly uh, mesmerized by her and then he realizes she's an ex-sponsor and and obviously that leads to a whole lot of complications there's her ex agent played by Timothy Oliphant who's really good in this movie and yeah. so yeah like it's Emil Hirsch gets embroiled in this world and ultimately in the end like they like it's it's a really nice ending it's a very happy ending and mm. also and another film with a really interesting soundtrack it really popularized this 1990 song called this year's love uh, by David Gray now i like i i was watching it 3 days ago in preparation for this podcast and there are definitely things that haven't aged well especially the kind of insults sure. yeah that they that they threw on in the early 2000 which seemed normal at the time i guess but yeah that it's still a very at its core it's a very sweet film it's a it, it's in my opinion a criminally overlooked film <laughs> and there's only that generation that grew up in the early 90s that who discovered it when they did who really sh- who share some sort of love for it my number 4 i i i haven't rewatched it i had watched it many years ago but yeah i remember it it's again one of those rom coms where there is a minor inconvenience i mean in this case it's not very minor it's, it's a significant plot point but yeah at the end of the day everything you know you know rom coms are it's, it's all yeah. going to be a happy ending so i remember watching it and being like oh good for him man like I'm happy for him right but yeah, yeah. I, I get I get what you're saying so yeah that that brings me to my number 4 which is this little known movie called uh, La La Land aka the movie mm-hmm. that won the best picture oscar but then didn't <laughs> so um I'm sure most of you uh know the know the plot of the movie so I do but anyways quick recap for those who haven't seen Uh, Emma Stone plays Mia and Ryan Gosling plays Sebastian who were mm-hmm. who are both struggling uh, Emma is I mean Mia is a struggling actress and Sebastian is a struggling he wants to open his jazz club and the movie has worrying things about uh, themes about a uh, white man being the savior for jazz and like why does jazz mm-hmm. need a white man to come in and save it no, so of course the movie so. has those troublesome mm-hmm. themes but keeping those aside uh, that's basically the story and they meet and they fall in love and things seem like they're going to be a fairy tale but at some point reality sets in and uh, again the not that there's much of a spoiler to the the movie it it's not that even the plot per se is quite simple it's just the treatment is is really really nice the it's 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 a musical so there's a lot of songs uh, maybe after what every 5 10 minutes there's a there's a song each of the songs in their own right are really snappy very uh, endearing hummable memorable lyrics are uh, really nice especially city of stars uh, both uh, mia and sebastian's versions i really really love the song and uh, so that adds a lot to the movie and there is uh, a fantastic my as in a fantasy element uh to the movie uh as well certain scenes where they they have the dance in the griffith observatory mm. uh 
just the again coming back the treatment of the movie of the story is so good screenplay is so nice it, it's very endearing you just feel happy and you know rooting for these two you're just like wow everything's going so great for them i, I wish this doesn't end that eventually when it does end um, i mean when reality does set in i won't get into the particulars while a part of you it, it is a bittersweet ending while a part of you feel sad for what couldn't be uh, i think the ending sequence sort of helps to uh, alleviate that uh, Ill, that bad feeling or that sadness also they do show you what if uh, at the end of the movie which again you for after all the reality coming setting in and all of that you end the movie on a nice high note it's just and a lot of it is uh, what would i say it's not callbacks it's it's homages to uh, the heyday of musicals which were the 50s and uh, maybe early 60s it's got that feel to the movie as well all which a lot of those musicals did uh, which is my it it feels classic i i, I don't know if you understand what i i know mean. i get, i like it feels like an old school movie i know exactly yeah it mm. it feels like a classic so all of those things and i love older movies a lot more than mm. uh, like i love that era of movie so maybe that intangible mm. aspect Very, is also another reason why for me this was super there's some great movie. great tributes to uh, singing in the rain uh, yeah umbrella yeah. the umbrella of shabo uh, this So Which have, you, quite, have you watched the the Amrila uh, uh, Parafluid the Shabog? No, I have the entire been. the entire. It's a very nice movie. The mm. entire dialogue is in song. They, they, oh, okay. So so like La Miserable, essentially. Essentially, yes, and it's yeah. just so weird to see Catherine Deveru like sing lines mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to her mom, and she's sad, and she's like she's singing sadly. It's like okay, it's it's an experience, but yeah. like that and i feel even like i mean it can't be worse than russell crow singing right so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think so yeah so i la la land was my favorite was kind of my was my second favorite movie of 2016 sing street was the first i really from i i adore that film i almost had a concussion just before i watched it because i was in a car accident in in a cab in a cab and then my okay. i got hit on hit on the head by the parking uh, uh what do you call the 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 me- the mechanisms at at the malls i was walking and those of you who don't know abin uh, <laughs> it is a miracle he has survived for the time that he has because he lives a very adventurous life where uh every other day if things are not out to get him he's out to get things <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be if i ever if i'm ever an action movie star that's the tagline of my movie <laughs> and then i i remember i go and this was they had done like a pre-release for la la land a week before it actually came out and mm-hmm. i was like oh should i have to go i have to go watch it and it was, i was really big into my blog reviews at the time so i went uh with concussion <laughs> and i sat through it and had a really really nice time especially the soundtrack of this movie the mia and sebastian theme which i still have on repeat on my playlist is haunting mm-hmm. uh yeah. audition which is the song that emma uh, stone sings in the end is is Her heartbreaking also in, yeah, yeah she she won the oscar for this and she and in my opinion thoroughly deserved rightfully so yeah yeah her and ryan gosling was uh were exceptional as uh, as me and sebastian the only thing i feel bad about this movie was damon chazelle made this when he was 33 he made whiplash when he was 29 so i'm so it kind of really puts into perspective just how <laughs> how useless life why we can be it sometimes i'm like dude that guy had yeah. whiplash and lala land in the space of four years 
He's only 33 years old. La La Land may not be everyone's cup of tea because it's a it is a musical, and I know some people yeah. are turned away by by the idea of a musical. My dad was he was furious when we took him for the movie, uh, and but apart from that, I would generally like it's if if you want another day of sun, maybe you should check this out. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was my fourth movie. Coming okay. to the last one. I've actually made a late change in mine. So uh the holiday which Ooh, was on my anime twist has now been moved out in favor of Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now uh, oh. some may which is another LA movie but it's a different love letter it's like a, a love letter to the LA of the 60s and the 70s the LA that Quentin Tarantino yeah, grew up in. Was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this story tells I mean, it it like the movie tells the story of two um, of two people, a struggling actor in Leo DiCaprio and his stuntman in Brad Pitt. And it, if you look at it from and like if you were to look at it from a bird's eye perspective, it's it is the story of two guys hanging out on a yeah. on a one on one day and then like having a life changing moment going someplace and then coming back and spending a night together that is basically the premise of this movie mm. uh this this guy uh, leo dicaprio is about is uh, g- give up on a very successful tv show to pursue films it has not gone well and now he is being considered to do uh, spaghetti westerns in italy and he is like and he is going through a bit of a um a bit of a dilemma and like you know he's going through an an actor's crisis where he feels his time is done and cliff booth who is who is his stuntman is trying to reassure him and uh, tell him that things are okay and cliff booth also lives god fuck out of nowhere in a very dirty uh, trailer trailer yeah and he <clears throat> may or may not have killed his wife which is a little dark yeah which is very casually alluded to and then alluded to once and then never again never again so movie. it's just a little weird i mean i'd say in a large part this film is feel good in some parts of it not so much i mean that that was one issue There's i have seen where uh, brad pitt visits the ranch the manson ranch Mm-hmm. and um, i think he goes in to meet somebody that scene is super tense like maybe not as tense as the opening scene of inglorious but yeah. i would like you could see that aspect of tarantino really shine in that scene i, I was at the edge of my seat like shit is he going to come out alive a part of you knows like he's one of the main character i don't think he's going to die but another part of you is like it's tarantino he could just die you never know like is so yeah there are parts which aren't feel good or wholesome but yeah i wouldn't say this is like part. yeah this is not like a notting hill where uh, front to back it's uh, it's the same, it is like there's no sort of uh, i mean they they aren't they, there's no sort of conflict that set up which could cause real harm to the characters and it culminates in a climax which some oh. may yeah with some people may have a problem with but in terms of in terms of a screenplay so in, like in terms of setting up the climax the way they have very early on in, in the movie they establish certain plot points that play a big part when it comes into the climax and when it all fits together it is seamless it is an absolute laugh riot some people may be horrified because you know what it it is like it, it can be <laughs> horrific to some but there is literally 
as the climax is about to roll in, it, it cuts to a television show which says, ladies and gentlemen, now this is the time we've all been waiting for. Yeah, and, there's a meta reference to the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's set at the it's set against the backdrop of the of the Manson murders in the in the sixties. Against specifically the murder of Sharon Tate. Sharon, Sharon Tate. yeah, and I love, I really enjoyed Sharon Tate's presence in this movie, where she's almost like an angelic figure going through, enjoying <laughs> the success of her films, of like of taking part in, um, the audience's reactions. It was. It, it shows me this wor- yeah. figure of virtue. Yeah, exactly. And everyone associates Sharon Tate with uh, the gruesome murders that that happened. Right. Nobody really yeah. talks about the talent she was, and I think props to Tarantino for putting that at the forefront. That's yeah. like because no, you cel- you celebrate them for what they were, what they were, not what they will be remembered for that they had, that they had no control over. Yeah, nice. That, that, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And also, the other thing is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, Yeah, Brad and Leo in this film, oh, what chemistry. Yeah, they're like brothers, literally. Two things. uh, One, I think Tarantino really loves revising history uh, in in Inglorious Bastards. It ends with uh, the two, those two guys just peppering Hitler with bullets to the point where, you know, he's unrecognizable. So, spoilers for Inglorious Bastards, I'm sorry. It's it's a nine year old movie guys so I'm sorry so <laughs> should have watched it. Ing- Inglorious, twelve. Yeah, twenty twelve. Eleven. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. Inglorious is two thousand nine. Twelve. There's also a really great callback to Inglorious in this movie when Leo goes to Italy to make the spaghetti westerns or like star in uh, Italian films. He's Antonio Margheriti. Yeah, he's in the movie direct opera operation. Uh, Dynamite or something, and directed <laughs> by Antonio Margheriti. Like it, that no, is the that is the point. You seen the Leo meme, right? The one he does, like this is my uh, scene. <laughs> that, that was me in the movie. <laughs> no, but then uh, the Antonio Margheriti in Inglorious is also a reference because there was a spaghetti western director mm-hmm. called Antonio Margheriti. Mm-hmm. So there is oh. an actual guy. Oh. Yeah, there is an actual guy. The inglorious thing is a reference to him. Now here, whether it's a... That's the thing with Tarantino, right? You don't know. There's layers upon layers. Is he referencing yeah. his own film? Is he again referencing that guy? It could be both. It's, it's all crazy in the genius mind of Tarantino. Uh, I mean, speaking of references, uh, obviously there's one problematic reference where they show Bruce Lee getting his ass kicked by uh, uh, Brad Pitt's character, which... I would I would agree if people say that is offensive because that kind of degrades and uh, that kind of degrades Bruce Lee's memory and I'm surprised because you know Tarantino is such a big Bruce Lee fan maybe that was his joke jocular way of kind of uh, addressing Bruce Lee's legacy I don't know that scene did yeah, this, so it's, much it's, sit right with me it's very confusing because like even later on in the movie Bruce Lee is, is shown teaching Sharon Tate uh, martial arts right like yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I'd like as a gag, it it didn't work. Maybe it it's set up to establish Cliff Booth's strength. Oh, because mm. they're like, okay, how do we best establish, like, show that this guy can throw down because he's about to throw down. <laughs> that can yeah. work. How good is he? He's better than Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, like, I guess there are certain people who've obviously, and, and for very valid reasons, had issues with that, uh, with that scene. The, that's not, like, the climax is fun. The, 
other aspects of the film but the things that stand out the most are when leo is on set shooting for uh, uh shooting for uh, his role as the, the villain the show i forgot yeah mm. the show yeah that's without doubt the most fun i've had where he's just like he he forgets his lines he does them again his interaction mm. with the child actress uh his and you know who uh, the child actor is supposed to be and if who is who is it supposedly in in canon she grows up to be meryl streep oh interesting which is why she's this precocious extremely talented mm. actress as a child who she already has a method and stuff right mm-hmm. so apparently that in his mind she is going to grow up to be that universe is meryl streep very very interesting okay i think yeah that's my that's my top 5 uh, we'll conclude with rohit's last so my last movie also is uh, another movie from last year uh, it's it's so every year pixar or every one or two years pixar has this one movie i think that's all they do right they churn out one amazing movie every year and they just walk away, walk away with the best animated feature oscar that that's just what pixar does so last last year their uh, their movie was soul for mm-hmm. those of you who haven't watched again a quick recap jamie fox voices uh, joe gardner who's a jazz pianist aspiring to be a, a professional musician but because it's that's not working out for him so far to make ends meet he's also a teacher he, he plays in a he teaches in a high school and obviously that's not what he wants to do so a part of him is dissatisfied then he gets his big break and while he's on the way there he dies Right, so mm-hmm. this is the first ten minutes of the movie, and already you're like, "Whoa, okay, so mm-hmm. what? Where does the movie go from here?" And thematically, I feel the movie takes on a lot because that that whole representation of how the after afterlife looks like, and like even visually, if you if you recall the whole afterlife sequence that have you have you watched? So I haven't seen it all the way through, no. But I know I have But, a fair understanding of what like. the the whole the escalator like, to the yes, light yes. yeah the escalator yeah, yeah. to the light all of that the way they've shown afterlife very interesting very ambitious take on the afterlife the, i mean that elevator sequence i think is a throwback to an older to a 40s film called a matter of life and death starring david niven where david niven is a british pilot and he's about to crash and die and uh, his last words and he last speaks with an uh, with a radio control hostess who he ends up falling in love with and so then he goes to he dies and he goes to court in heaven and attempts to get his life back oh uh, so that he can go yeah he he can go and see her uh, nice very 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 so in a, like that's what the film reminded me of that whole sequence in uh-huh. in soul so in this movie after he dies obviously he his only aim is to kind of try i mean kind of get back to his life on earth because that's he's at the cusp of his uh, of realizing his dream so the rest of the movie is him trying to find a way back to his body and that requires in the story of the movie that requires him to find the spark for his soul and the underlying message again at the end that you get take from the end of the movie is is one of the best uh, that i've seen in movies for the last few years which is it talks about how your soul's spark is not just uh, about the big aha moment or uh, a big inspirational moment or you reaching Uh, something that you always dreamt about it's about the journey it's about uh, enjoying moments along the way and it's it's a sum total of um, all of those little moments which you otherwise might have have somewhere in the recesses of your memory but um, you need to relive those and appreciate those and there's a beautiful sequence uh, towards the end of the movie where uh, remembering those and reliving those memories kind of 
it's it's a big payoff like it helps him kind of achieve whatever uh, he wanted to achieve like get back to his body or whatever uh, great cast and the theme just sits with you so well great music great cast sound cast uh, you just come out of the movie feeling so satisfied and, and i mean that's something all of us struggle with right all of us have this idealized uh, goal in our minds that you know that that's what i'm aiming for that's what i'm working towards the the movie straight up addresses the question fine you reached it then what you're still going to be unsatisfied unless you learn to enjoy the moments you're in which again a lot of the movies as you you guys uh, might have figured i mean you might have realized a lot of those movies have that same theme which is to enjoy the moment and uh, live in 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 the current in the moment um, yeah again something in the moment again very relevant again something not easy to do but something that will definitely help us cope with the the situation we're in yeah so yeah that was that was my fifth and last movie soul i may have one more i think this this french 2008 movie absolutely heartwarming like it really emily uh, no not emily is 2001 right oh it's, yeah, it's a lot older uh, yeah. yeah it's like this really it's a, it's a story of two of two girls and in their bit to find out about and basically it's like it's almost like they are coming of age story i am of course talking about the 2008 masterpiece that is martyrs i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm not <laughs> i was wondering is he going to talk about martyrs <laughs> <laughs> okay i must preface this if you are looking for a feel good movie do not watch martyrs <laughs> yeah do not watch martyrs i think martyrs what is you should do is if you want if you're feeling really good about yourself and you don't want to like feel that way just slam back uh, a few glasses of beer and then watch martyrs <laughs> you'll end up feeling shit okay oh my god <laughs> Okay, I think that's that concludes uh, the episode. But what we'd like to do on this week's episode, we'd like to get suggestions, um, and maybe we'll do a commenters edition a couple of weeks from Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's yeah. where I feel like we've. I'm currently it's just you and I discussing these films and like giving our opinions and possibly sharing them with people who may feel the same way. But it's time we like got we got some sort of engagement going on with our with our crowd, how little it is. So mm-hmm. if you are listening in, guys. Uh, please if you like let us know your top 5 feel good movies and we've put together a list of our we'll compile a, a list of the uh, of the most entries and we'll put together the top 5 commenters edition actually we should also do another version of this which i'm sure will give uh, us a lot more engagement because people are messed up essentially hmm. uh, if you guys want you can also uh, share suggestions for fucked up movies that you want me and abin to watch just like you know subject us to worst torture and we like watch this and tell us how you feel we're probably willing to do we'll do one episode of just that as well probably the funny thing is we've probably seen most of the shit you're going to suggest to us like we i i like i know what's That's coming it, yeah. Yeah. yeah i i know i know what's coming yeah. like do I, what are, what are, that. yeah there somebody is going to say a serbian film and I, that's what someone's going to say a serbian film they'll they'll say martyrs they'll say uh the, i mean the human centipede films will show up hostel might show up salo is definitely going to show up because it's on criterion anyway right mm. it's, it's aesthetic uh, bullshit mm. like everyone <laughs> like gaspar no goes into the criterion closet and he's like salo great movie i'm like of course no shit gaspar no <laughs> you of all people 
<laughs> why, I don't know why yeah, basically we would basically we'd love to hear from you guys i think that's why we're discussing this if yeah. you guys want us to do something feel good you guys want us to do something fucked up you guys want us to do something mundane uh if i mean whatever you guys uh, we're we're open to i mean if, if that means we get to watch more movies that we haven't or uh, haven't watched or haven't heard of uh, more the merrier yes and that should be that we'll see you on next week's episode do we have i yes. still don't know what we're talking about next week but i'm sure it'll be fun take care guys yes. uh, have a have a good one wherever you are <laughs>